Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash nmvpod. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Never Made Varsity Podcast. My name is David Rivero, and you can find me on Twitter at D underscore River underscore O. Well, hello there again, everybody. It's me, Maverick. You can find me on social media at Heartbreak underscore underscore Kid. And it's me. I was going to come up with something clever on the spot, but apparently I am not that witty. Um, You can find me on Twitter at Colby Complains, all one word. And my uh, name is Aaron P. Friedman. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Aaron P. Friedman, all one word. I don't know. I can't remember what his Twitter handle was. <laughs> We're roasting him, and he's not even here. I know. I had to find, he's not here, and I have to roast somebody. So <laughs> I'm roasting yes. the spirit of Aaron. Aaron's not here, and we were talking before we recorded that this episode is going to be the one where it's like that episode of Parks and Rec when Jerry retires, and there's no one to roast, so everything <laughs> just kind of falls apart. <laughs> yep, that's We'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's three of us today. We're, um, Aaron we're... doesn't know how to keep track of days, so yeah. here we are. <laughs> Can we reschedule to Monday? Just kidding. I'm busy Monday. Sorry. <laughs> well... <laughs> well, fine then, Aaron. Uh, all right. uh, we love you, bud. Yeah, man. Have fun yeah, at DCI. Pray for Aaron. There's nothing wrong with him. Pray, just... pray, <laughs> pray for Aaron because he's going to be at a DCI event and they'll stay forever. <laughs> oh, man. I haven't been to a band competition in a while. <sighs> hey, band camp's next week. Don't tell me. <laughs> Don't, making me feel old, bro. I'm not trying to think about it, okay? Oh, I will think about how I am not standing in the field all day. No, I'll definitely be thinking about that. I gotta. I'm gonna get upset in October when they do late night with Rory, and I'm not gonna be there. Yep. Right. That's when I'll get real. That's when I'll get really upset. An adult, adulting. Yeah. But I'm chilling right now. <laughs> I gotta find some time to make it down to at least one game over in Chapel Hill. Like, I don't know. I I need to. I, can, I I'm gonna have withdrawal if I don't. Yeah, I'm going to try and make it down for a game. We'll see. But regardless, let's get this thing popping. Let's get this thing popping. We have, to start the show, uh, someone whose jersey I bought and then instantly um, disappointed me on every conceivable level. Um, (laughs) Kelvin Benjamin, former uh, first-round pick? Yeah, he was first. I'm pretty sure he was first-round. Uh, first round pick for the Panthers traded to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, recently said that Carolina just wasn't a good fit for him. It was a lot of uh, coulda, shoulda, woulda about everyone else except for him. But let's hold on before I start ripping him to shreds. Before I start ripping him to shreds, let's 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 hold on. Let's let's hold let's hold back a little bit. Hold back. 
Yes, let me find... Okay, so yes. They said, I just felt like they weren't featuring me more. I was their number one, but I wasn't getting number one targets. Sure, Jam. Um, uh, among other things. Which, by the way, isn't true. No, that's not true. Like, the only one that you could that had comparable receptions was Greg Olson, and I think it was one season that he had more receptions. Or targets, maybe. Um, Kelvin, I'm pretty sure his first year in the league had at least, I'm underestimating here, 1,300 yards um, and nine touchdowns. I don't think he had 1,300. I think it was like 1,100. 1,100? I think it was, I think that, that was, be, I think that was it. That might be closer, but still, over 1,000 yards as a rookie receiver. Plenty of touches, plenty of targets. I think we went, we went 8, 7, and 1 that year. 7, 8, and 1. 7, Really? Yeah, it was a losing season because uh, we can't have back-to-back winning seasons, remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so 8-7-1, gets hurt, tears his ACL in training camp. Next year we go 15-1, and one, go to a Super Bowl, Cam wins MVP. Then the next... Um, I'm going to break in here. This is yeah. where I got the 13 from. He averaged 13 yards a catch. There it is, 1, okay. yards, um, nine touchdowns. Got it, okay. On 73 receptions. Got it. Um. Uh, 15-1, and one, Super Bowl, Cam MVP. With his scrub receivers, he made Ted Ginn look like an all like a like a all pro. Uh, Philly Brown, I'm trying to think. Philly Brown, Ted Ginn, and oh, who else was on that squad on wide receiver? Uh, wide receiver, Brenton Burson, and there was another oh, wide receiver. Jeremy Cot- uh, Jericho Cotri. There you go. Yeah. Fun fact: I have actually played a round of Fortnite with Philly Brown. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that come about? <laughs> so, uh, my buddy Garrett, uh, when he tweeted out like, "Hey, anybody that wants to squad up in Fortnite, let me know." And he hit him up, and like he played some rounds with him. And uh, eventually, I ended up adding him myself, and we played. And so, like when he plays late at night, he can't use his mic because his uh, kids are sleeping, and so he'll just <laughs> so we'll just get on. I played one round with him, and it was it was dope. Nice. <laughs> he was actually pretty nice with it. But anyway, it was funny. I expect nothing less. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, and then I believe the next season is the season we traded him, right? It was his third season that we traded him? Fourth. Fourth. So wait, what did he do the third season? Um, He had uh, 900 yards, seven touchdowns, um, ah. averaging 15 yards a catch. What was our record? Uh, 2016, we were – was that 6-10, and 10, 7 and... – no, it wasn't seventy nine. It was like six and ten, probably. Six and ten. Yeah. I for some reason I can't remember twenty sixteen. I think I might have blocked that out of my brain. Yeah, six and ten. That's when we kept missing field goals to win games. Oh, yeah, right. Because we started against the Broncos and it just kind of spiraled from there. Yeah. Uh, yep. And then traded the next season, uh, and I believe we win six straight games without him. <laughs> So yeah, and um, end up going eleven and five. Cam responded uh, basically by saying he's not going to respond. He's, um, I think he's, he's like it was a Instagram picture that said "all love here," and he's it was a video and he said, "I ain't even going to go back and forth with him. Like I'm just working." And it, it was him sweaty on a treadmill, like all of his other Instagram videos. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, Kelvin, why? Like, this? I, I, there's no reason to 
to go after Cam in this situation. This none whatsoever. This Queen Latifah looking brick hands <laughs> have an ass boy has the audacity to say that he would be better if he had a Tom Brady or he said Eli no, Manning. He said- Eli he said Manning. Any other quarterback. He said any other. Yeah, I hope you have a great time with Josh Allen with your freaking uh forty percent completion percentage. <laughs> like you have Josh Allen, you have the Peterman, the Peterman, AJ McCarron. So okay, any other quarterback, go for it. Let's see what happens. Have fun. Have fun in in, in Bills Mafia, bro. Panthers Watch your lazy routes. Panthers <laughs> North. I, I and it's you know there are people on Twitter that were putting together compilations of all the so, all of the softest routes. Like, <laughs> that's honestly been my favorite part of all of this. Like people putting together like, oh really? You're talking about how Cam was the reason when this is you not eat, like not finishing routes or giving up on plays or having bricks for hands. Like you're six three and you're letting five eight DBs outwork you slash out hustle you slash out jump you and that's ridiculous. Coming to camp thirty pounds overweight, like it's <laughs> <laughs> looking like he had a sponsorship from Bojangles out here, bro. <laughs> Yo, it was so bad. I remember that season. There was a picture of Cam during that camp um, with uh, his jersey saying it wasn't a good fit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a little bit snug. It's... Just the it's... tiniest bit snug. I don't know, screw this guy. I'm done with him. Yeah, man, like, if you want, like, and I, I saw that, I saw a tweet from, or no, I saw a statement from Sean McDermott saying that he is upset with Kelvin because he didn't think that that was the right way to handle it. Which means something since, you know, that's our defensive coordinator. From yeah, that's, I mean, he came from ago. Carolina. I don't think he appreciates Kelvin trash-talking their, both of their former organizations. Shoot, half the team's up there anyway. I know, yeah. <laughs> He's basically playing for the Panthers again. Yeah. The Bills are to the Panthers like the Patriots are to us. And then you have you have uh, like idiots like Chris Carter on First Things First talking about how Cam hasn't lived up to his superstar potential. And I'm like, dude, what do you want from this man? Like, <laughs> Shannon Sharp went in this morning, though. Really? Yeah. What do you say? I didn't say I didn't see it. Uh, if you can vamp for like. 30 seconds, I might da, be da, able da, to find... Da, 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 now, if I may something da, da. while you're looking that up. Uh, before, and after we finish this, we'll get into another segment. There's obviously an elephant in the room regarding the news at Ohio State. Uh, but we're going to oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, right, we're yeah. Gonna, we're going to wait until the former diehard Ohio State fan comes back and until the investigation is fully complete before we really talk about it. Which should uh, be in the next couple days, right? Yeah. So we'll probably talk about that next week on our next pod, just because I understand probably many people listening right now are probably waiting to hear us talk about that. Uh, True. So we will get back onto that once everything's complete. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that, because I was about to forget. Yeah, I totally forgot. Um, Shannon Sharp said that um, the Carolina Panthers weren't a bad fit for Kelvin Benjamin. The buffet was a bad fit for Kelvin Benjamin. I (laughs) love Shannon. Shannon Sharp is a national treasure. He does. I he does not care whatsoever. Nope. Skip. <laughs> Skip. I'm glad. I'm glad they let him go. Uh, you know, I was actually upset when we let him go because I was like, "Well, who are we no, going to lean glad. on now?" And 
looking back on it, I I am glad that we ended up letting him. But despite this situation, when I said I'm glad, I, I'm glad they let him go. I'm I actually meant Shannon Sharp. Like they just let him go and be himself. But oh, that's fine too. Great. I was um, talking about Kelvin. But with Kelvin, I was more upset that we weren't getting much back for for him. Um, being a former number one um overall pick. Um, but and honestly. I think that, I think Devin Funches was going to replace him anyway. Yeah. Like, he was already starting to replace... Yeah. Like, re- replace Kelvin Benjamin. Agreed. So, oh well. Whatever, man. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sick and tired of this guy and his lack of effort and his willingness to blame everybody else but himself. So, have fun in Buffalo, dude. Bill's Mafia. I don't wish injury upon anyone, but I just hope he never catches another <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> um. All right. So, before we move on to our next segment, we have a message. Uh, this segment is brought to you by Audible. For you, the listeners of Never Made Varsity, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a thirty-day free trial to give to you. Uh, to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Um. Like I said last week, I. Just finished uh, projecting the Lightning Thief. I am just got uh, the Sea of Monsters. Um, probably going to power through that these next couple weeks. And if you want to talk about that book with me on Twitter, please go to Audible and try it out. Uh, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nmvpod. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nmvpod for your free audiobook. So... What are we calling an audible on this week? Today we are calling an audible on college sports and uh, what we know at Carolina as Nike Christmas. <laughs> so, like I said, we're going to talk about uh, some investigations with Ohio State next week. But there's a Ohio State, or there's an investigation that has currently concluded that hits a little bit closer to home. Uh, it was just released today that 13 players of the UNC football team have been suspended. Uh, for selling uh, team-exclusive shoes that were given to members of the football team. Uh, I do not have the list currently in front of me right now, but some of the notable names are Chaz Surratt, uh, Malik Carney, Tamon Fox, Jonah Melton. um, Bo Corrales. Bo Corrales, uh, and several other players. And mostly at defensive end position, the quarterback, but no one in the running backs, wide receiver, starting wide receivers and tight end position were affected. Right. So did y'all manage to see on Twitter how much those shoes were going for? Yes. I saw $2,500. And it was specifically the Jordan 3s. Yeah, the the retro 3s that that came out. Um, That blew my mind. Can't can't say I blame them. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, shoot, man. Like, I mean, I don't know if I'd sell them. I feel like I would keep them, but that's just me. But if you want to, like, I, I mean, I, I mean, twenty five hundred for some shoes, bro. I mean, come on. I just want to know who's snitching. Yeah, honestly. man. Well, I think. Well, I think well, UNC self reported, but so they had to find out from yeah, somebody. What I think is uh, what it looked like because someone had tweeted a picture from eBay of a picture of the shoes, and. Well, I didn't make sure it was a name. It looked like that it had the name of a player or the person it was sent to specifically on the box. So I wonder if they found one and then they asked everybody. 
Whiteout is a national treasure. Um, but I think, hmm. <laughs> why is this against the rules? Well, that was, I was going to bring up that as like a different topic of like, well, first off, why do these people like? Why do they do it? And two, why is this even a thing? Like, why is this against NCAA rules? They did it because twenty five hundred dollars. It's a benefit indirectly because you're allowing them the opportunity to take this benefit and make money off of it. So, I mean, that's really going to be the topic of the conversation today is what we're going to call an oblong. Like, what should our athletic program, what should the ACC, what should the NCAA do to either change this rule or to prevent these kinds of things from happening? Because this is not uncommon, believe it or not. Uh, it goes all the way back to I would, no, I wouldn't our think friends it would be. down the road in Raleigh. Uh, the basketball team uh, had NCAA violations for selling shoes in the late 80s. Uh, Miami football all throughout the 90s had several violations for selling shoes. Uh, and, it, and it seems to be only like top-tier programs because they have so much money and they're able to get these custom shoes made. We yeah, got better I mean, shoes. And Carolina Blue looks good on shoes. You see those off-white yeah. UNC Jordans? Bro. Like, I understand why people are selling them, but like, <laughs> what, do you, what do we all believe should be changed so that either this isn't a violation, this doesn't hap- keep happening, or what kind of situation do we want to put players in so that they're not feeling the need to sell products that are given to them? Even if I was making, like, a good amount of money, like, through the school, like, if I can sell some shoes off my feet for $2,500, like, that's going to be hella tempting to me. So, I I think more of the problem, for me at least, is just letting these players make the same money that I'd be able to make as, you know, civilian See, I personally have I what I think is a very simple fix. Now, while this argument may be that this dilutes things, I think the the easy fix is to not make these kind of shoes exclusive, uh, and to allow either the student population to purchase these shoes, or even just make it completely public, and just have a limited time, like a limited amount of sales. Because if you're, I think the only people. The, the reason that they're selling for $2,500 is they are player-exclusive shoes. And it goes the same, like, especially for basketball, too. Like, it's come out, like, they always get basically any kind of Jordans that they want. Uh, now, I don't know if they're selling them because there hasn't really been big reports. But uh, it's still the thing, like, the value is in the fact that it's exclusive to the team and no one else in the world can get them. But if you're making them public even if it's just limited amount then i think it takes away the value of them so that they wouldn't be incentivized to sell them yeah but i feel like you know they they don't make the shoes exclusive anymore when they sell their um exclusive jackets or they sell their exclusive whatever else that they have i think I, the problem for me isn't the fact that it's the shoes that they're selling the problem for me is that it's against the rules in the first place to sell things. Well, that, and that goes back to the whole, like, 
earning your market value, I guess, conversation with like NCAA athletes. But that's like a whole other can of worms that we've kind of already gotten into, but on a previous podcast. But like, if anything, like, and is it a rule like only while they're in college? Because I don't believe that it's a problem if they sell anything that they owned once they leave college. It's only while they're playing for their institution that it's a violation. So I guess technically what's the difference? But I do understand at the other time, like, uh, individual, like, school, like, Rams Club of other schools, like, all of them have donors, and they're putting all this money, and that's how we are getting this gear in addition to the, uh, like, the merchandise contracts we have with Nike and Jordan, um, and then for them to go and sell it. Like, it's just finding a way, like, that it, it's a, it is a privilege, I think, to have those kind of gear and playing for the school. And so, like, I, I do think it's a difficult question. I, I think that if, you know, players are given that privilege, they should be able to do with it as they please. That might be a fair point. But, yeah, uh, I think the big thing regarding the suspensions in particular is that we have a starting quarterback <laughs> out of the blue um so so larry fedora has said at this point um nathan elliott will be the starter week one against cal kind of um, doesn't have a choice at this point also probably week two and probably week three um so that is where we stand as far as the UNC quarterback situation. Also, uh, along the lines of the defensive line, um, with Malik Carney and Tamon Fox, their, their suspensions will be staggered so that um, there aren't depth mm. issues. Um, just as a safety precaution, it was already clear with the NCAA that it would be kind of bad to have both of them out at the same time. Um, so... Uh, both of them will be out yeah. at different. And then different lastly, the uh, there's just differing amounts of games suspended. So uh, and it, you might have a better knowledge of this, Cole. Like, I believe it's based on of, off of how much they actually made off the, the shoe. Is that correct? Uh, that sounds Where, right. I think 2,500 yeah. was the cap for like the, the four, so the whole Chester four Rat, games. Brian Anderson, Roe Corrales, Tyrone Hopper, Kieran Johnson and Malik, well, Malik Robinson and Jordan Tucker got four games. Uh, Greg Ross, Trey Shaw will miss two. Uh, Jack Davidson, Jonah Melton will miss one. Yes. So that's where we stand as far as Carolina football so far. Um, so wait, we'll... so I, I do have a question though. So does does yeah. does uh, Fedora get another pass for a second straight year? Because last year it was like, oh, well, injury bug. We have what I still believe after the, how last season ended, we have our starting quarterback. I think Nathan was going to win either way. Uh, other than Bo, no one's starting. At current, uh, apparently he's not listed as a starter at this moment. No starting wide receiver or no starting running back was affected by this. So I think only the real thing is defensive end with Tamon Fox and Malik Carney was the only big loss for this, in my opinion. So – I don't know if that's really going to change the result for several of these games because these it's UCF, Virginia Tech, uh, 
like games that I probably think we're already gonna lose. So yeah, you you would think a defensive line with only one of them at a time, but you could fill that by committee. Um, and you know uh, what was the, what's the new uh, Jacob Law- Jake, Sean Lawler yeah, Jacob Jake Lawler. Lawler I can't know what's Jake Lawler. Uh, you know he's also a, a pretty solid prospect that's coming off a redshirt year um, that will get a chance to fill that spot and, and gain some experience. So I mean this might be good for some of the younger guys, kind of like last year where they were kind of forced to step up. You know, we'll, that is a good you point. know we'll see. I believe he is defensive end. And he was a top 100 recruit. I think he was our biggest recruit that season. So, so people are going to have to step up. Yep. We'll see. We An- will see another another season of UNC of, of UNC football. But for all of y'all listening, how about y'all give us y'all opinion? What do y'all think should change about this whole yeah. policy? Should the rule be changed? Uh, should the availability of the shoes change? Uh, should athletes be given this level of rarity of equipment? Let us know on Twitter. At us. Yeah. God dang. At me. Y'all, it is um, thunderstorming like crazy over here. It is doing me you mean a like spook. like regular North Carolina? Yeah, man. <laughs> like the entirety <laughs> of last week? Um, so do y'all want to do Twitter questions next or content corner next? Let's do, we haven't done Twitter, Twitter questions we in a haven't. minute. Yeah. So I feel like we should do that. Okay. Um, first, um, let's get the sporty stuff out of the way. Um, from at hand at band wants us to talk about, um, the Viking safety. Uh, what is his name? Andrew Sandejo. Um, wearing the hat that says make football violent again. I actually uh, did, did not see this. Did y'all happen to catch the Hall I of Fame not. game? I, know I missed it. Bears lost, right? 17-16? I did yes. see the resulting... I did see the new, like, quote-unquote helmet rules that were being enforced. Like, yeah. I saw, like, clips of those. If that's what you're referring to, I did see that in a very weak call. Yes, yeah, so I am a dirty addict. Um, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I watched... Almost all of the Hall of Fame game, either actively or passively, in the background. Um, I just missed it because I was away from a TV during that time. Yeah, I took it all in, and I felt real mm-hmm. dirty afterwards. Um, oh, really, Washington Post? Is this what you're doing to me? Um, but oh, don't the Panthers I, play tonight? Oh shoot, wait. <laughs> no, they play Thursday. Thursday. Okay, I thought they played Monday. Okay, no, they play Thursday. Um, but the there is a new rule in place uh, about leading with the crown of your helmet, um, and I believe it was called four times um, on the during the Hall of Fame game. You saw a couple of the of the clips. I I think I saw all but one of them in live action. Uh, so what do y'all think about? this rule the way that y'all saw it implemented i think if i had a kid that wanted to play football i'd tell him play offense <laughs> yeah because now i mean it's making it less and less violent for the offense it's impossible you can't hit anyone on it's, offense without getting it's impossible the you can't like 
it's impossible to tackle now without without getting a flag, I feel like. Yeah. And, and you know, like some of these like like he jumped up into somebody that was already in the air and like what are you gonna hit him with other than the top of your head? Like when you're when when you're jumping up at somebody and it's and like it didn't even have to be like a uh clear collision like the top of their the corner of their helmet could collide like and not exactly the crown it seemed to me and it wasn't even like a clean hit and it wasn't even like a strong hit or anything and it was still called this is why i think with some of the things that larry fedora was saying you kind of had a point whereas it's starting to not feel like football anymore. Like, what is a safety supposed to do at this point? Like, are safeties just supposed to let them catch the ball? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. So I, I get what he was saying, that 10 years from now, football might be very, very different than what it is now. I also don't know how to change the rules to make the game safer and also make it still entertaining because I big hits don't excite me the way they used to because you know we know more about brains but like if I see Julio Jones coming over the middle I want whoever's playing safety for us at the moment because we're still you know feeling that by committee uh whoever's playing safety for the Panthers to lay him out because that's what safeties are supposed to do. So I don't... I don't know what to do with... Violence in football anymore. It's a violent sport. It's a collision sport. But, like, even those calls that you saw during the game... Like, did you feel like those were malicious or... Like... Not only, I don't even have to say malicious. Like, do you think those were hard hits or... Like... I think the first one should not have been called. I think it was one where they were just like the the defensive player was cleaning up the tackle. Yeah. Um I think that one was by far the worst one that was called. Uh, a couple of the later ones like they did hit him with the helmet, so I guess that's that's fine to be called. I also think that they're going to call I think Dominique Foxworth brought this up on um the morning roast um on Sunday that they're going to he thinks they're going to call it more in the preseason just to kind of set the tone and then be more lenient with it as the season goes on. As as players are adjusting to the rule, they'll they'll be more lax about when they when they call it. I hope so. Honestly, football's violent. Like that's why I'm saying is trying like trying to make a safer cigarette. You can't do it without changing the nature of the game. It's a violent game. Like football, here we come. So and and you know back, so like back to the point. Like, how do we feel about the hat? I think the hat's fine. It's a point. Um, it's a valid point. And it's often been like we have people like Larry Fedora and other players that are have, over the years who have been slowly getting at the point where football is becoming less and less violent, which is almost like quintessential to the game of football. 
like, I understand it's, the frustration. It's a collision sport. I get the frustration. You can make it safer, but I don't think this rule is it. Like, I don't think this is the thing that's going to... Like, now you just got people frustrated. Because now you've made it so one-sided as far as offense versus defense that it's going to be impossible to even try and defend a team without getting oodles of penalties. I honestly think the the only way to fix football is to outlaw football. Yeah. Honestly. So. So. Unless you want it to be flag. (laughs) Unless you want to do flag football, which I, as someone who, of my own volition, watch flag football, nobody wants to watch flag football. (laughs) Um, So that's what I have for that. Um, do y'all have anything else? Nope. No, that's about it. Next question. Right. Let's get to some of these. Have y'all seen Mamma Mia or Mamma Mia 2? Sorry, no. Lauren. Sorry. <laughs> I, I told her on Twitter, I have seen Mamma Mia. Um, but it was starting a phase where I was like, eh, popular things are dumb. Um which kind of colored my opinion of Mamma Mia for me to me not liking it. I feel like if I went back and liked it now, I would enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, and I heard Mamma Mia 2 was good. So I might, you know, I, Mamma Mia is on Netflix. I think I might watch it and go see it sometime this week. Uh, it just doesn't. I don't. It's just an ABBA karaoke movie. I like ABBA. So <laughs> they're fine. So. You know, um, sorry, Lauren, but we've already had this conversation between you and I. <laughs> uh, from Michael Co. at Michael Co. nineteen ninety five. Talk about a film that stayed with you for a while afterwards. Ooh, I got to think on that one. Do you have an answer? I got to. I, I, Math has one, and I have. Yeah, two. I was trying to think of mine for different reasons because one, I I interpret it as one that just makes you think. And one that just leaves you absolutely shooketh. One movie that I was absolutely shooketh after watching it, and it was actually at Carolina on one of the th- the free movie dates in the auditorium. Have y'all seen Gone Girl? Yes. Gone Girl yeah. left me shook. Uh, basically, it's is is that Ben Affleck? And I and what's yes. who yes. plays the girl? What's her name? Crap. I don't know. Hold on one second. Um, but while I'm looking this up, Gone Girl is written by Gillian Flynn, who also wrote Sharp Objects, which I also listened to on audiobook, oh, yeah. which you should go Rosamund listen Pike. to that too. Rosamund Pike. Um, um, yes. It's yes, yes, yes. Yeah. In story your of, and Tyler Perry. <laughs> uh, this woman that goes missing, uh, her husband, played by Ben Affleck, is suspected of killing her. Uh, and... There's just a whole story to be had, and I'm not going to spoil it, but it will leave you shooketh. I had trust issues after that movie. Yes, it will. Um, Gongo was also just like a very awesome. well it was a great made, movie. wonderful movie, really well made movie. Um, Gillian Flynn, the person that wrote the book, also wrote the screenplay. Um, I'm really digging her, um, her mm-hmm. stories right now. Um, she's great. Um, if you haven't watched uh, Sharp Objects on HBO, is airing now. I think episode five just came out. 
and it's fantastic. Um, and the book is great too, but I'm not going to talk about that now. I uh, the movies that have stuck with me for a while, uh, I will say one, uh, The Shape of Water. Um, not so much like the holy crap, mind blown. I just think uh, Guillermo del Toro made a really interesting story there. Uh, a Beauty and the Beast story that you don't really see that often. And I don't know. I, re- I every time, like once every couple of days, I'm like, huh, Shape of Water. It's a really, really good movie. And I recommend it to literally everybody. It's funny. It's emotional. It has a little action in it. Um, love the Shape of Water. Also, I've talked about this on the podcast um sorry to bother you is still stuck in my head really uh i cannot let go of that movie um i feel like every time i go back to it like another thing clicks um and i really can't talk more about it without people seeing it um it's one of those movies where halfway through the movie um it changes to like a different kind of story if you know what i mean yeah. Um So yeah, sorry to bother you. Uh I think there might be Oscar buzz for that movie, at least for um best editing, best direction or best original screenplay. Maybe not best picture. So you mean it's better than uh Are you are you saying it's better than Suicide Squad's editing? Cuz that's <laughs> yeah. a pretty high bar, bro. That's what they had to work with. But really they the wonders. the, the the editing for this movie is great. Um, so, yeah, I'm a fan. Uh, David, do you have one? Uh, I'm actually answering as Aaron. Um, I'm going to say the Minions movie. <laughs> uh, no, okay. Uh, for real this time. Um, if I'm going to go with like a movie that recently left me shook it, I'm going to be basic and say Infinity War. Um, it's not like a cinematic masterpiece like it's not an oscar movie but like it did leave me in it did stick with me for a while like when i went full surrender cobra in the theater like <laughs> like that's how i do it was it, it got me um if we're talking like movies that like wrecked me emotionally like uh, when i watched grave of the fireflies i don't know if y'all have seen that before have not uh it wrecked me in a way i don't think i've been wrecked before <laughs> <laughs> in a long time. See, in a I was movie. trying to think about that one that le- just left me emotionally wrecked. I'd have to say Castaway was mine. I was trying to think of one like that. Man, let me tell you. You're in your feelings. Ju- yeah. I mean, I highly recommend it. It's made by uh, Studio Ghibli, same studio that made Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, just absolutely destroyed me. <laughs> I haven't gotten emotional in a movie in a Probably the, the the last the last thing that I've watched that really got me almost there was um why can I not think of the name I I would say I five years oh okay I would say I am legend uh in that scene that I don't need to spoil for anybody I haven't even seen yeah. I am legend I know what you're talking about yeah exactly so but at least don't you appreciate that I'm at least consider it for no. people that haven't the seen last it last time I could, right because like at this point I just assume, like I would just assume that everyone's seen it because it's just a popular movie, but I I I understand some people haven't seen it yet. Last time I cried though was episode eight. 
uh, with Luke. That's fair. That that was beautiful, in my opinion. God, I love that movie. Uh, which brings me into my answer for our next question. Go right ahead. Yes. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, from Annie Rindle, uh, at Annie underscore Rindle, what is your go-to movie that makes you feel good? Uh, I realized this, I think, like, a week and a half ago. The Force Awakens is, like, my go-to movie when I, huh, I just want to have a good time. Um, I sit down and I watch The Force Awakens again. Um, I, I think The Last Jedi is better, like, is a better piece of writing and story and all of that but it's easier to watch the force awakens and it just makes me feel good i can if that makes sense i can dig that i think somebody brought up um one of my internet friends said that they felt like the same way but opposite about a new hope and Empire Strikes Back. That what do Wait, you mean, like the same well, way but opposite? Hold on, let me let me back up. They said that they both that he thought that A New Hope was better than Empire Strikes Back in the same way that um, The Force Awakens is better than The Last Jedi. Um, where I think that Last Jedi is better than The Force Awakens and Empire Strikes Back is better than A New Hope. Interesting. I think there. are through lines in both yeah but i do have an easier time watching the force awakens but so that would be mine yeah i would say it's an easy watch an easier watch i'd personally agree in part like i i chalk it up to any star wars movie is mine like i could be in the worst mood if i put on a star wars movie i'm instantly in a better mood guaranteed I'm going to depart from this theme heavily and say uh, Meet the Robinsons is the movie that I watch when I want to feel good because that movie is so underrated and actually fantastic. <laughs> I have a big head and little arms. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I love that movie. And it makes me feel good. Like the whole like him meeting the family. And oh, it just it's like it warms my heart when I watch it. <laughs> I remember nothing else from that movie except for those the top minutes. the top hat the the T Rex with the top hat. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's on Netflix. I watch it when I want to, you know. Like, if I need a feel good movie, I watch that. If we're talking about movies, I could just watch whenever Dark Knight because I own it on Blu Ray, and but now it's on Netflix. So, <laughs> very utilitarian answer. This movie because I own it. No, 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 but just because like no, because like. <laughs> I'm just saying because like I could pop it in any time, and also it's a fantastic movie. I just looked beside me and I saw a copy of Princess Diaries two. I did not know that we owned that on DVD. Um, Interesting. I there is a lot of those movies where I just like look around. And I was like, huh, I did not know we owned that. Someone tried to convince me that Princess Diaries is better than a Princess Bride. No. Exactly. Just no. In the same way that New York pizza is far superior to Chicago <laughs> pizza, because Chicago pizza is just a casserole. <laughs> it is a casserole. Do not try and bamboozle, bamboozle me, Chicago. You can't do this. Put a freaking casserole in front of my face and say it's a pizza. Uh, 
forget about it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ask a question that's not on the rundown so I can find the things I need to answer this question. Uh, yes. I am so prepared right now. Oh, yeah. My goodness. <laughs> this is great podcast right here. This is like Aaron in his baseball corner. <laughs> um, Favorite Tarantino oh. film? Oh, oh, that's a good one. Okay, wait. Maverick, you, you go ahead and go bastards. first. Oh, dang it, I was going to say that one, but I can't. I... <laughs> oh, I love that movie. It's All right. so long, but I love that movie. Yeah, it's so good. Christoph Waltz is one of my favorite actors, thanks to Quentin Tarantino. Because he killed it not only uh, in, in Glorious Bastards as Hans Landa, but he was also in Django. I was, well, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to say, ah, God dang it, Maverick. I was going to say Django. <laughs> well, it's a worth <laughs> substitute. I was just going to talk about Christoph specifically. I mean, Django's my son. All right, but yeah. So, yeah, I mean... You know, I like Pulp Fiction. I think it has really great dialogue, and it's a very clever movie. But if we're talking about, like, the one I have the most fun with, like, hands down, Django Unchained. <laughs> like, I remember when that came out. Like, Inglorious Bastards is also good. And I didn't see it in theaters. I watched it late. But, man, that thing is awesome. Um, I... I'm realizing I've only seen two Tarantino movies. Um, is it Inglorious Bastards and Django? <laughs> no, it is um, Pulp Fiction and Django. You haven't seen Inglorious gotcha. Bastards. I, I haven't, and I also was not in a place to remember Pulp Fiction when I watched it. Um, mm. So uh, by default, I'm going to I go believe with it's on Netflix. I will say that the yes, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, is I, the first, the very first scene. In Inglorious Bastards, is fantastic a glorious piece of writing. Yeah, it is so good at draw at building yes. tension. Honorable so. mention to Reservoir um, Dogs. Yeah. Um, also, t- totally underrated. Both Kill Bill movies. Yeah. Oh, I love Kill Bill too. Crap, I forgot about that. Both Kill Bill movies. Really I, good. I heard they're possibly doing a remake with Ronda Rousey in it. Oh please, dear God, don't do that. Well, not no, not as oh, her. Oh no, please not don't let her. Ronda Rousey move. No, no, oh, okay. Not I'm like, please don't let Ronda Rousey be, ruin she's that movie. To be a baddie in it. <sighs> she's not a good actor. What? David versus Ronda Rousey is one of my top ten anime <laughs> <advice>. <laughs> She's not a good actor, bro. Uh like, she has this movie coming out called Mile 22 about some freaking stupid squad called The Overwatch or something. So it stupid. It almost looks exactly game. like... I know, that's Paris what I thought. Four, or is it five? The one in Brazil. Yeah. place in Brazil. So, whatever. Please don't let Ronda um, Rousey move, ruin Kill Bill for me. From Maddie. Hi, Maddie. Hi, Maddie. Hey, Maddie. Uh, at Maddie, at underscore Maddie. Uh, don't know if you all have recording the podcast yet. We're doing it now. Uh, but opinions on the upcoming live action Mulan and the changes it will have compared Ooh, to I'm, the original. I'm so Boo. ready to talk about this. Boo. Um, 
so we have the actress. Uh, we have the actor from Mulan that will be uh, Liu Yifei, um, whose name sounds familiar. I don't remember. Uh, Forbidden Kingdom and Outcast, but I don't think that's where I know her from. <laughs> um, there will be no Lee Shang in the movie. Uh, Donnie no Yen Mushu is either, in the right? movie. No Mushu. It's not a musical. Dad, come it. Um, are you telling me is, that is it really Mulan then? Not in this movie, because then I will riot. Is being directed by Nikki Caro, uh, who also directed. If you give me a second, nothing I've heard of. Of uh, the Zookeeper's Wife. Cool. And that seems to be her biggest story to date. Is I mean, why do why would you even call this Mulan? Like, Mulan. like yeah. why would you call this Mulan if you're not gonna be faithful to the movie that it? Like, I understand that it's based on like real life events or whatever, but like, come on, this is Disney's Mulan. Yeah, this is Mulan. Disney's Mulan. Disney's Mulan. Everyone's expecting a Disney remake, a live action remake of Mulan, the uh the animated movie. This is not like. The Lion King, where, by the way, if you haven't seen the track list for The Lion King, heck yes. <laughs> Fantastic. I have lots of feelings on this. If you should, so I know Matt, if you do too, um, so I'll go first and let you, let you give the finishing blow. Go right ahead. If that's so. Okay, cool. Um, I feel like the weakness of Mulan is that there weren't enough songs. So I feel like taking out all of the songs is not the way to do this. Like, I'm pretty sure we talked about this on the podcast before, but the last song in Mulan is a girl we're fighting for. And that's bef- that happens right before the midpoint of the movie. That's before any of wow, the major, actually, like, I didn't even think about plot. That. That's like right. And you're right. Yeah, that's like right before the major plot point happens. Yeah, there's um, there's a song at the beginning um, where she's getting all pretty. Um, and then Reflection, where she gets unpretty. Then there's I'll Make a Man Out of You, and then A Girl Worth Fighting For. And those are there four songs in the movie, and that's the last one. And, like, the score is really good. Yeah, the score is beautiful. And it's like, but, you know. It's a musical that has four songs. And they're all, in, they're not spread out. They're in one half of the movie. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a mistake. Uh... I mean, the heart of the movie was Li Shang and Mulan's relationship, and that's changed at the at the least. I think Mushu was great for comic relief. I it's a it was a Disney cartoon, so they were talking animals that made it fun. Um, also, just like a larger trend with the Disney live action movies, I feel like a lot of them are trying to go back and fill in plot holes of the former movies which makes me really uncomfortable because I don't I feel like this is what CinemaSins has done to the movie going audience that they think that every plot hole has to be answered for which so, i don't believe that's true do you and i both i didn't realize that you and i both agree that cinema sins is awful i just 
I don't think that CinemaSins is intrinsically awful. I think that what CinemaSins has done to the movie going audience, trying to point out every little tiny plot hole is infuriating. And I feel like um, especially Beauty and the Beast is a response to um, to that. And I feel like Mulan, and I'm hoping not, but I feel like Lion King is also going to fall prey to the trying to retcon some of the some of the shortcomings which i don't think are shortcomings of the of the animated movies I, like, yeah i don't like cinema is movies. is john favreau directing the lion king yes i have faith in him he, he like you know you know i feel like he's done a good job with he did a good job with um the jungle book and, yeah i did like the jungle book um uh, i I personally don't think that the first animated Jungle Book is that great. Um, so I think that movie was fine. But Beauty and the Beast, which is one of my favorite animated movies of all time, the, did not need to be touched. And I feel like the ways that they changed that made it a weaker story, not a stronger one. You know, actually, like, rewatching the animated uh, Beauty and the Beast makes me realize how much I don't like the middle of that movie. A Beauty and the Beast? Yes. Like I don't. That's the part where they fall in love. I know, but it's so so boring to me. You just hate love. It's fine. That, that's yeah. right. I am the one that hates love of this group. Sentiment, <laughs> like that you previously said, Mushu and Li Shang were integral roles in that movie, whether people acknowledge it or not. Mushu was a, 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 a not only comic relief in serious moments, but he was also uh, a, a person of consciousness for Mulan when she's contemplating her decisions and helping her guide her. And that was, like you're saying, not only was it uh, the use of like non-human characters, but it was also something that was like, it had cultural aspects too. Like having a dragon guardian. Um, and then Li Shang, the whole relationship dynamic between uh, him and Mulan. Like, I don't know how they're going to replace that in the narrative and what kind of story they're going to make without them uh and honestly it feels like it's almost a completely different movie to me if you don't have those characters and like i said i'm gonna write right if they do not do uh i'll make a man out of you <laughs> that mulan is probably my favorite disney animated movie of all time uh when we did the brackets like, it was my Disney representative, and it only lost to Toy Story of Pixar in the Disney Pixar bracket, March Madness. I just... I wish they would stop trying to quote-unquote fix the old movies. Because I, I don't feel like they're ju they're remaking them as honoring them or trying to add to them, it feels like they're trying to fix them, which is what I have a problem with. But, I will leave that there, if y'all are fine yep. with leaving that there. I saw I saw something that's that was like a... I don't want to say conspiracy theory, because it was kind of well laid out. You know, I, I, I can't find it right now. I'll talk to y'all about it after the podcast. Remind me. Also, if you want to see, like, see and learn more about the 
Disney live action mo- movies, uh, Lindsay Ellis on YouTube made a video essay on Beauty and the Beast, uh, the 2017 Beauty and the Beast, uh, which I thought was very interesting. So, yes, go watch that. Lindsay Ellis is probably one of my favorite creators right now. She's great. Um, time to talk about some content. Cause that's sweet, content. sweet content. Uh, David, you want to start with Shadow of the Colossus? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I recently bought. So, in celebration of, uh, I I don't know if I've announced this on the podcast yet, but I I finally got a job. Yay! Of uh, a, a real person job. <laughs> uh, very exciting. Uh, so in celebration of getting a real person job, I decided to quote unquote splurge on myself by buying a discounted remaster of a game that came out on the <laughs> PS2 in 2005. Uh, Go it was like, off. it was like 20 bucks and, uh, it was, it's a re it's remastered for PS4. Um, it's one of those games that everyone talks about when in, in regards to like top 10, top five best games, maybe not even on PS2, like of all time, like of like, as far as like storytelling, emotional depth, gameplay, that kind of thing. Um, and so I was like, I never, I missed it when it came out. Um, I wasn't quite old enough to, you know, ride that bandwagon um in 05 because i was like nine um maybe not even um but so i decided to buy the remaster um come built from the ground up uh and i'm about two hours in and it is a gorgeous game like the soundtrack is ridiculous uh the gameplay is fun Uh, the camera makes me want to kick puppies but like the 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 (laughs) the world building and the actual landscapes that you're traversing are just like breathtaking. Careful. You might get fired from guardians of the galaxy. Did y'all see the thing now about Dave Bautista? Yes, I did. But, um, yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, uh, really cool game. The premise is that you have to, your, uh, I think your name, your character's name is wander. And you you have to go kill seven or no sixteen different colossi, um, that are like incarnations of like gods or something, and like each one is a different like gameplay mechanic that you have to be a master at to kill it, and it's very interesting on how they they ended up doing it. So and it's a very simple game, like not anything too crazy, uh, but it's I can already tell I'm in for a, I'm in for a good one. So, highly recommend it. It's on sale on PSN right now. If y'all have a PS4, uh, go ahead and get on that if you can. If you have an extra huh. 20 bucks to try it on. The plural of Colossus is Colossi. Did, did you not know that? I just was checking. <laughs> <laughs> also, great part, great, great, great moment to throw in that it's Meese, not Moose, and no one can convince me otherwise. Oh my goodness. In the plural of box is boxing. Um... <laughs> it's a flock of moosin'. Many moosin' right. in the woods in it. It's a f- some Meese. Some Meesin'. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I can go next. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I saw Mission Impossible 6 uh, Fallout. Probably my second favorite in the franchise. Um, just a pure action movie. 
Um, there's a car chase scene that is three chases in one chase. It's like a car chase and then a foot race and then like a then the motorcycle chase. Like it's fantastic. It goes on for like twenty minutes. It's great, and but you don't get fatigued when you're watching it. Um, Tom Cruise, great as always. Um, Rebecca Ferguson reprising her role as Ilsa, also great. Um, I just never expected Mission Impossible to be this great, but I really love this movie. Um, I'd put this right behind um, Brad Bird's um, Brad Bird's Ghost Protocol. But Mission Impossible 6, if you're a fan of the franchise, definitely worth checking out. Um, Teen Titans, go to the movies. Wait, wait. Before you get off the Mission Impossible train, uh, yeah. two questions. One, how is Henry Cavill, and did his beard actually grow after he <laughs> pumped his arms? Um, no... Unfortunately, they did not make his beard grow after he cocks his um, arm guns. He went, <laughs> it's, it's wild. Um, but that's a great scene. Um, probably my second favorite fight scene in Mission Impossible, which I will say, in the last two Mission Impossibles, both directed by, oh my goodness, that's going to kill me. Mission Impossible Fallout, directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Yes, they both have this um, silent film nature about them, where he'll take like a couple scenes where there's just no dialogue, um, no music. Everything is just the ambient sound or the diegetic sound of what's happening in the place, um, and just have a fight scene there, and it's great. Both times, the opera scene in um, Rogue Nation is probably my favorite in the entire series, but the bathroom fight um, where Henry Cavill cocks his arms is great. Uh, what was your other question? Uh, oh, as someone who's never seen a Mission Impossible movie, do I need to go watch the other five to uh, understand slash enjoy this movie? I would at least watch three and four. Okay. Three, four, and five. I can do that. Or at the most, I would watch 3, 4, and 5. At the least, I would watch 5 and then this one. But I think starting at 3 is when you start getting a couple through lines. Um, but I think it's absolutely worth it. They're, these, those are the four best movies in the franchise, in my opinion. Nice. Okay. So, those are my only yeah, questions. The, thir the third one's directed by J.J. Abrams. Um <laughs> The fourth one's Brad Bird, and like I said, the last two are Christopher McQuarrie. Um, so, yeah. Liddy. Um, also, I got to see Teen Titans go to the movies. Um, which, I'll be honest, I have not seen a single one of the Teen Titans go cartoons. Um, but I love this movie. Like, front to back. It wow. was fantastic. I did not expect that. It was so fun. So there there were of course jokes for kids. Um but there are some things that it was referential but not referential at nauseum. Um they DC made fun of itself. There was a um Batman v Superman yawn of justice joke. Oh there. my god. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> The songs are great. They got Michael Bolton in there singing. Um, Nick Cage finally got his chance to be Superman. Um, I don't know if y'all know this, but 
is like Nick Cage's dream. Uh, well, he was originally cast. He was originally cast to do one, and then it got canceled. Right. Um. He named his um son Cal L. Like he loves Superman. Um. So he finally got to play, um, Superman, and he was great. Um. His son's in the movie too. His son was great. There are some really dark jokes in there. I was like, they aren't really about to make this joke, are they? And then I'm like, oh wow, they they went there. They they told that joke. You you go, Teen Titans go to the movies. Um, better than I expected. Um, if you're a fan of the DC universe, I think it's worth it to go see Teen Titans go to the movies. Uh, and finally, uh, I started watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I only got to watch the first two episodes. Um, but it's fun. It's a it's a fun time. It's an easy watch. So I probably will be binging that in my spare time so yeah but seriously teen titans go to the movies all my expectations are great also a little bit of a teaser for something that might be returning i did see that (laughs) which was a a nice little surprise in the middle of the credits but yeah so uh score new black do you have a score for Oh, a score for uh, for Mission Impossible. I'll I really like that movie. I'll probably give it like an eight point eight, eight point nine. Um, Teen Titans go to the movies. I'll give that like an eight point one. I'll give it four out of five stars. <laughs> I like them. I I really liked it. I recognize it. That. A lot of the jokes were just for kids, but I I was able to enjoy it, and there weren't that many kids in there, so yeah, yeah. Orange is the New I Black. I actually Max. finished this before the pod last week, but I always like to let it simmer. Let everybody <laughs> watch it. Uh, I don't even know if we're going to talk major spoilers today. Uh, might wait to talk about that later. Now you finished it as well, Colby, didn't you? David, right. you're you haven't started it yet. I have not watched. I've watched like maybe one episode of Orange okay. the New Black. Mm-hmm. Ever? This what did you ever. think? On the season overall, I hate <laughs> Piper. <laughs> um, yes, I hate Piper. Um, she's the worst. She's terrible. I, I I told Mav this towards the end of the season. I just started skipping through her scenes. Wow, um, that bad. She was so infuriating. Like I cannot stand Piper. Um, I thought she, isn't she, she is, the main character? Yeah, um, I just started skipping through Piper scenes, um, just getting to, just getting it over with. But I thought everything else was really well made. I think that the central conflict of the season is interesting. Um, I told Mav about this. There's like a little Darth Vader Palpatine situation going on, except they're not even on um, the same page. Except they aren't on the same page. But it is kind of like the enforcer versus, like, big bad sort of situation going on. Which I'm pretty sure no one else cares about that comparison, but I thought it was interesting. Um, But, yeah, I liked the season. It was funny. Mm -hmm. It was great. I Uh, I mean, me personally, like, it it just plays to the orange and new black humor that's always with the show, no matter what. Uh, The biggest thing I was telling Colby was that I believe that, to me, the season just felt slower than the other seasons, just because they're, the central mm-hmm. issue 
during the central conflict of this one, despite be- the fact they were put in a maximum f- security facility, like it still seemed like it. There wasn't a it, even the central conflict wasn't that big of a thing. It, almost the, the subplot was more important than the central conflict itself. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I don't believe because with the trailers it's implied so uh, the subplot is that they're slowly interviewing like the 10 girls that were in the pool area during the last season uh, over what happened to Desi Piscatella uh, in the last season and there's some there's some canoodling some conniving some scheming going on and it's very clear uh some hateration and holleration all up in the dance area so. <laughs> i'm glad that you got that thank you <laughs> uh yeah yes. so, some collision i feel like i felt like the subplot was more important than the plot itself but i think something that and i think it's really like crazy how they're able to like because they record and they film this like a year from now but some of the stuff that are brought up in the show are so relevant to what it, it, right now right now that it's it's absolutely crazy mm-hmm. uh, especially at the end of the season there are things yeah that i was thinking about that too that are very very relevant to today's climbing which I, I'm sure they were relevant like a year ago too, but I feel like even more so. I feel like next season's that plot next season's going to be. And if if you've seen the season, you know what what we're talking about. If you've seen the whole season, you know what we're talking about. It's going to be very important television now, next year. Oh, go ahead, finish. Um, my big no, thing no, no, also go, was go it did. I, it was a little bummed because I mean naturally they had to cut the cast down for the sake of the plot uh, where Big Blue mm-hmm. uh, Flocka uh, uh, the Nazi girls uh, they ended up at another facility and they were only in there for the first episode when everybody was getting processed into their new yeah. prison um, so it was a little saddening like not having so many personalities around but they definitely introduced some new personalities within the maximum facility position at Litchfield. Uh, that did make up for it. One sort of plot hole, I wonder where Ruby Rose's character was. If you remember, she was there two seasons before, and uh, right. Piper framed yeah. her with the tat- like after the tattoo stuff uh, and got her sent to Max. So oh, was- True. Damn, they just dropped that. So I was wondering where she. I thought she was going to come back, and that would have been a really cool plot because she would have been like if basically you switch out Baddison for her. Because I, I like Baddison. I thought Baddison was a great character. The backstories of the people they cover makes me more sympathetic. Hers did not. Yeah, she just always kind of. Granted, she did get picked on, and that contributed to what she did. But at the same time, yeah. And I was also telling you, I think that. uh, Oh, why did I keep forgetting her name? 
I'm looking it up. What's her name that twists the... Uh, 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 demon. Pensatucky? I know who you're talking about, but while you're while you're looking that up, um, I think that this season was I, I like scaled back stories. Um, like I mentioned this when talking about uh, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, where a lot of people were disappointed that it was kind of rained back. Um, I like that it was rained back. I think that it makes for a better story with the characters that you have, as long as those characters aren't Piper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really just can't stand her. You said you um, dislike her more than Joffrey? Yes. Jeez, man. Like, because Joffrey, like, you know, when he's on the screen, I could listen to him talk. But, like, whenever she popped up, I was just like, go away. <laughs> no, her name's Blanca. Yes. Blanca. Uh, yeah, she yeah, was yeah, covered yeah. more in the last two seasons, but I definitely consider her to be an MVP of this season. I definitely covered her a lot more. And her character was able to shine a lot more. But that. Yeah, she's great. She was. And so her storyline and how it's going to be covered next season, and also Piper's, is suggesting that there might only. that next season could very well be the last. Because in terms of the overall story, and especially because the central conflict wasn't as big, uh, it would seem like Tasty is really the. Uh, Tasty Red are the only two people that might have a storyline going forward. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. I think I think it's about time. I both this and House of Cards. I was like, let's wrap it up. Um, so I, I would be fine with um, that's being the last season. Um, do you want to talk about Marching Orders real quick? Yeah, I also because like I said, I'm the king of content. I just watch Netflix all day. Uh, I started Marching Orders, which is a new show that started on Netflix, uh, and it's about marching bands. Uh, it covered. Uh, the story of Bethune-Cookman University of, of Daytona, Florida. They're a prominent HBCU. They're widely known as one of the best HBCU bands in the country. Uh, and so it does a lot uh, on... It shows a lot of people like how those organizations are run, uh, the pressures that go into being in a, a big show-style band like that. Uh, and basically this whole season is very short in terms of length, like the episodes are only 10 to 15 minutes long at most. Uh, and it shows like a lot of preparation going into things and the performance at the Queen City Battle of the Bands. Uh, it's a, is it annual? Y'all know if it's annual? Yeah. Battle of the Bands? Go, but in Charlotte. I didn't know if that was like a specific, like once like every other year if it was an annual thing. I'm not sure. I do know that the Honda Battle of the Bands is canceled yeah. this year because of the Super Bowl. Uh, so it did, it is a little more guard heavy, just because. Not to be stereotypical, that was where more of the quote unquote drama took place with them and the dance team. Uh, if they want to see drama, just follow the flute yeah, section, bro. Like, the director wasn't <laughs> like how ours was. At me, Laney, yeah. do it. Like, he wasn't calling out specific people, even in Color Guard. It was the captains of the Color Guard and the dance team that were doing that. Like, he was more or less criticizing specific sections. And then they would, like, interview one or two people from that section. So, 
that's just how it was. Uh, there were some there were some things said that by the band director uh, that definitely would start a conversation among us band people and in the band community. The first waff was uh, he he strongly believes that every single person in the band from instrument like actual wind ensemble uh, drum line to the dance team has to audition to just be in the band let alone make the field uh, and his quote was that uh, if you do, if your band members do not audition there's a good chance you're not a good band we can have our differences about that I understand why people do audition there's nothing wrong with auditioning a a band or having auditions for your band. Uh, I agree with that last sentiment or sorry. I disagree with that last sentiment. Yeah. yeah I'm not sure. I, I think that's a little strong, but then again, like this is one of the best bands in the country. And so it helps at least. I understand why he thinks that's the way it is at least. Um, so but it's like, why can you, how could you be so brave yet? But honest, uh, and then he also was saying, like, that he doesn't want to give these college kids basically anything. He's like, if you just let all these kids be on the field, then they're never going to appreciate it. And so by not only making them audition just to be in the band, but also be on the field, it means that he's the only people that are going to be there are the ones that are going to do everything possible to be the best they can be. So wait. He auditions a band, and then, like, for, of the people that make the band, he also auditions? Yeah. and one of the prominent storylines was in the Color Guard, like, returning members got cut in favor of freshmen because they did not get better. And good. not only do you have to audition to just make the band, you have to audition for a field spot. Not everybody makes the field. That seems a little counterproductive to me, but I am also not in that culture. I'm not in an HBCU band. I've never marked show style. So, if, I mean, like, if that's commonplace, then that's chill. I mean, like, I'm not familiar with that. Um, but obviously it works. That would get in the way of rehearsal time, though, don't you think? Yeah, but also there are great bands, so it's like, I don't know. If I, I get, it works, yeah. so. And then, and so that, I think, goes into one of the central issues oh. that was at the beginning with the Color Guard, where they went through a grueling selection process to be selected for color guard. And then there were four color guard members who were incoming and new. uh, And they had an issue with uniforms in that uh, they did not have a uniform that could fit them because of their size. And even if they had ordered a a new uniform, uh, they would have not gotten it before the season ended. So he's basically like, we can't, put you on the field this year you can come for exercise and you can keep your scholarship but there's really at this point no way that we can put you on the field and so like it devastated them they couldn't order uniforms that that seems a little off to me but if they know you know what i you know i I have an issue with that but okay problematic and you can tell like he did not want to have that conversation just because of the underlying thing about like body positivity, things like that. I'll have to watch it. 
but anyway, we've been going on this point a pretty long time. All you band people, I highly encourage it. It's a really great look into people, uh, another way of doing things in the marching band world. I just started watching Glow. I'll just throw that in there. Wrestling. I love Allison Williams. Anything I want to add? I believe that's it. Also, where did Colby go? I'm not exactly sure. He might have had some connections. Interesting. So, are we going to have to close this out? Yeah, I mean, we can go ahead and close it out. Do you want to do this rundown? I have, we have. Th- I don't remember the. Uh, hold on, I got, I'm gonna <laughs> have to pull up the. Right <laughs> do you, are you looking at it? You want to do it? Uh, hold on. Uh, sorry for go. awkward silence. Here we go. Hold on. You got. You want me to do it, or you got it? I'm looking go at ahead. it now. Uh, thank y'all for listening. You can find us on tinyurl.com slash nevermadevarsity. Uh, go ahead and leave a five-star rating on iTunes, that sweet, sweet five-star rating. Uh, we love those. Um, if there's anything you really like, didn't like, be sure to let us know via our Twitter, at nevermadepod on Twitter. Um, thank you to Audible for sponsoring the show. Uh, for your 30-day trial, go to audibletrial.com slash nevermadepod. So audibletrial.com slash nmvpod. Um, not sure who to thank for the theme music this week. I'm pretty sure we have a link in the description. Uh, but yeah, we'll see y'all next week. Bye-bye.